Today's episode of The Doctor's Companion is brought to you by InStockTrades.com and DCBService.com. Everybody and welcome to another episode of The Doctor's Companion. I'm Scott Corelli. And I'm Matt Smith, but not that Matt Smith. <laughs> and we're from MindRobber.net, uh, the home site of MindRobber Productions, where we talk about all the things like Doctor Who on this podcast and everything else on our flagship podcast, The Mind Robbers. Uh, if you want to review our shows, you can do that on iTunes because that helps us out, but only if you like it and you give us a good, nice, positive five-star review. Otherwise, don't bother because you're just being a jerk. If you have questions, comments, concerns, or any other sort of cool thing you might sh- want to share with us, you can email that at podcast at mindrower.net. You want to start a discussion uh, with us, then go to the website, leave a comment on this post, and we will comment back and this discussion will have been started matt today we're doing time lash uh this is our fourth attempt at recording this <laughs> so if, if scott sounds really aggravated it's because he's had to say the, the uh, intro five times <laughs> oh my god oh my god okay <laughs> no today uh, uh let's just say time lash is very upset with us time lash is very upset with us <laughs> All right, so uh, this is a Six Doctor story, Six Doctor and Perry. Uh, this comes from the season uh, previous to the Trial of a Time Lord season. This is the season that got Doctor Who canceled the first time, uh, and with good reason. Um, <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, so what's uh, what's the background and significance uh, for Time Lash? Yes, Time Lash, uh, one of the stories of Season 22. Um, it, it, season 22 is interesting for a number of reasons. We've talked about it before, but it's a massive format change for the show. Uh, Doctor Who is normally 25-minute episodes. Once we hit the first round of Colin Baker stories, they become 45 minutes and two parts instead of the usual 25 and four or six. Um, so everything in this story is two ep- – every story in this season is 25 – is not 25 minutes, is two episodes except for the two Doctors, which is three episodes. Um, uh, Time Lash is significant, I think, most because it's the one story that has nothing to do with anything else, really. Um, it's it's not uh, uh, it doesn't tie in and have like the Cybermen, the Master, the Daleks, the Centaurans, um, or a, another Doctor. Um, it's just a story, like it's just a normal, typical six Doctor Doctor Who story. Um, which is unfortunate. It's uh, in the most recent Doctor Who magazine poll, um, uh, where Doctor Who magazine did a, a poll of Doctor Who fans and said, here's the 200 stories of Doctor Who, rank them. This story came in right at the bottom, ahead of only Time and the Ronnie and the Twin Dilemma, I think. Um, and so that gives you an idea of like where the quality is for this episode, or where the perceived quality for this episode is. Um so it's Six Doctor Perry. It's written by a man named Glenn McCoy in what is his only Doctor Who story. Uh, and it's directed by Pennant Roberts, who is it's a Doctor Who director going back to the to the uh, to the Hinchcliffe home era, Hinchcliffe Holmes era, actually. Um, and so he he directed a bunch of stories and each one is a is a law of diminishing returns. I think this is our first time talking about him. Uh, and looking at the list now, yes, it is. So we're starting right at his worst story, um, which unlike people, when when you, <laughs> which unlike sometimes when you say, if that's his worst story, it's not so bad. When you say this is your worst story, you're like, ooh, maybe you're not very good. Um, it's time lash. Uh, oh, also because I guess I should mention it, H.G. Wells is in it. Anyways, before we continue. <laughs> uh, that's the, ba- but that's the background and significance of time lash. Um. Eh, it's a mess. It's a mess. 
It's a real All mess. Alright, well, well, uh, this reminder that today's episode is brought to you by InStockTrades.com, where you can purchase our book of the month, Black Sad Volume 1, by Juan Diaz Canales and Juanio Guarnido, and it's available for sixteen forty nine or 45% off the suggested retail price of twenty nine ninety nine. And remember, all orders over $50 get free shipping, so thanks to InStockTrades.com. All right, so uh, this is going to be an interesting conversation uh, because I didn't hate this. Wow. I really didn't. I really didn't hate this. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, No, this is – I think Vengeance of Veros is way worse than this. Fair Uh, I would watch this over Vengeance and Varus. Like, I'm not saying it's a good story, but I don't think that it's, I really don't think it's awful. I just, I don't, I don't, I don't know what I'm missing, I guess, but I watch, I went in expecting to hate this the way that you talked it up. And I'm like watching this and I'm like, I don't, I don't see what the big deal is. Like, other than just like, other than, uh, like general Colin Baker era problems, which, you know, that's not the story's fault. That's, that's this era's fault. Uh, you know, with like really cheap costumes where they're not even trying. Uh, it's a, it's a civil war story, which is always annoying. Uh, it's, uh, it's got, it's got cheap sets, uh, that all look the same. It looks like they really just built maybe, maybe two corridors and then just shot it at different angles. Um, I, you know, and it's all very bland. Like it's like they couldn't even afford paint, uh, you know? So like all of that is there. Absolutely. But I, I don't, I don't know. I, it just doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't, I don't know. I don't know. I don't, I don't, I was just watching this waiting for the moment where I was like, Oh, this is why everyone hates it. And it never came. Well, Uh, it just, it just feels – I mean it feels – it's very generic, but I don't think I, – I just – I don't know where the argument can be made that this is bad, I guess. I think the biggest argument for me uh, when it comes to this – because I, I kind of had a similar thought when I watched this. Um, but the more I think about it and the more I sit on it, the more I'm like, well, what was good about it? And the truth is there's nothing good about it, at least nothing that's good unironically. Um, the the stuff that is good, I think I'd argue, is um, Paul Darrow, I think, is pretty good, but completely ironically. The guy is about as ham an actor on Doctor Who as you could possibly imagine. And I know he was Avon on Blake 7, but he was still a ham here, so that's how I know him from. Um, yeah. Tecker is... Uh... Not, I mean, I mean, really, the only other villain that I could even, I could even compare him to in Doctor Who is uh, Eric Roberts as the Master. Like it's that level of hammy. Yeah, it's um, it's uh, it's right there. It's right there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. But that, that that's my biggest complaint is that the of the choices that they make in this story, it's just not good. Like. It's boring. It goes on for too long. The initial draft, I think the initial cut of this, the first episode overran by six minutes and the second episode underran by two minutes. Um, and so they had to reshuffle and reshoot to make it work. Um, structurally, it's a huge mess, especially in the last half. Um, like episode two, I think is structurally all over the place. I think it just makes, it takes weird, it creates a lot of, uh, interest like i guess interesting ideas this idea that these these people have access to a time vortex called the time lash which is never really explained um and that the rules of the time lash are broken repeatedly um the idea that you just have time travel to have time travel the entire last 15 minutes are abominable like they're terrible as far as i'm concerned we'll talk about why in a little bit um and i hate i hate for a season that does a lot of digging into the past. You have, again, you have Cybermen, ma- the Cybermen, ma- the Master, Centaurans, and the Second Doctor, and Daleks in this season. This story tries to take it one step further by calling back the Pertwee era, which is a very shrewd move on um, on Nathan Turner's part because the guy never referenced um, the the Hinchcliffe Holmes era. Um, but, but it brings back, it brings in a, a third Doctor story that never happened and tries to make it sound like we were there for it. Um, which is which is fine, I guess. But it's, it's something that's always rubbed me the wrong way where it's like, if you're going to be fan-wanky about something, like, 
just go for it. Like, just go for it. Mm-hmm. Don't like, don't mess, don't jerk me around or whatever. Because like, you texted me when we were watching this. I mean, we were watching it. I think we were about two to four minutes apart um, when we were. But you texted this and just go, "Is this is this a sequel to something?" And it's like, no, it's not a sequel. It's not a sequel at all. The story, the original story that was that was here was actually novelized in like 1996, which is about ten years after this story aired. Um, and it was called, uh, I think it was called The Speed of Flight. And it was novelized in, yeah. by, um, yeah. But, but that wasn't even, cause I looked into that too. And that wasn't even, uh, that isn't even the prequel to this. It's, it's just like at the end of the episode, or at the end of the book, uh, the doctor, Joe and Mike Yates, uh, are like, we're going, uh, we're, we're, we're leaving on an adventure to, uh, what is it? Contron? Is that the planet? Carful. Okay. Yeah. And that's it. Like, that's the only reference. Carful. Yeah. So they, so that's the only reference, like, is, is that they're, they're leaving for Carful, but that's not actually the adventure that takes place on Carful. No. Fair enough. I guess I didn't read into it enough, but, um, I, I don't know. I still don't like it. It's one of those things where it's just like, it's needlessly fan wanky. Like, why remind the viewers of better times? Like, like how much you like the third doctor by, by really just trumping him and, with a new sixth doctor because the sixth doctor is still relatively new. He hasn't been through a whole season yet. Um, bad choices all around and a terrible, terrible choice with, um, the character of Herbert, but I guess we'll, we'll talk about that as well. Um, Oh. But that's that's my thing. I don't. I I guess I'm sure there's stories I hate more. Like I remember really hating the Armageddon Factor. Um, so I need to watch the Armageddon Factor again to judge that. But I'm terrified too. And I think I like this more. Th- I I'm pretty damn sure I like this more than Underworld. It's just really boring. It's not very well done. The direction is not very good. The writing is abysmal. Like you, you know you're in a bad place when Eric Sayward gets the first episode of this. And goes, ooh, we should not continue with this because this is not very good. And Nathan Turner says, I don't want to, I want, I don't want to spend more money on another writer. So just commission him for the second part, and we'll hire on a good director to make it work. Like that was the thought process on this. So Eric Sayward walked in knowing that this script was bad and having to rewrite vast quantities of it. But uh, Sayward's rewrites didn't help, and the initial story of this is not very good at all. And it's really like. What it comes down to is, like, if you have 11 Colin Baker stories, and let's just count Trial of the Time Lord as four stories. If you have 11 Colin Baker stories, and this is one of them, like, it just feels like a massive waste of time, talent, and energy. Um... This is this that this is one of the few stories of his that that is that actually got made is is bad. Like, it's just it's not what I want one of my favorite doctors to be. It's not, Yeah, I mean, I, I get that. I do. Um, but like a couple of things, one, I, I feel like, and this isn't me necessarily, this isn't me defending the episode, but it's, it's more of me, like, I guess, understanding where it's coming from, which is that it's coming in. It, it's an, in an era where the BBC are just like, yeah, we're not spending any more money on this. And and so they get this they get this writer who's never written a, a Doctor Who story, probably because he's cheap. He writes a story that's not very good that I think, I honestly think, other than the namesake of the story, which is bad, the whole time lash thing. I I don't mind a lot of the ideas that are brought up in this. Um including Herbert, but we'll get there. Uh <laughs> I I don't I don't I don't mind all of the ideas. I think the biggest problem that this story has is that it has all of these ideas and then tries to put it in one episode, which again can't blame the writer for doing that because he probably assumed this is his first and only time he would ever get to write Doctor Who. Guess what? He was right. So he wrote <laughs> like he wrote everything he would ever want to see in a Doctor Who story, and that's what this is like. And and so, you know, so we get this this first part. Eric Sayward says he doesn't like it. And John Nathan Turner is like, well, we can't. I mean, they literally don't have the budget to get another writer to write another story. So they had to make it. So, like, it's a thing where it's just like I I love Colin Baker, too. I, you know, Colin Baker is my favorite classic doctor, like, thanks to the, the Big Finish audios. Thanks exclusively to the Big Finish audios. Um 
he's my favorite class of doctor. And I would love to, to, to talk about some of his great big finish stories on, on the show at some point, especially considering we have so few, uh, uh, you know, actual television episodes to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but it, it, you know, it just sucks for him because he ended up in an era where, uh, you know, he, the show was defending itself. He had to defend his, his choices as, as, uh, a, a, like how to perform the doctor. Cause he wanted to give the doctor an arc and it's just, it all equaled out to just a mess of a season. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and, and I, 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 but I can't, I understand how time lash happens, I guess. Sure. Um, I, I, and I, and I don't, I don't fault the episode for existing. I really don't. Cause all, like all of those things equal, like this is a mess. This story is absolutely a mess, but I'm, I'm, I'm always entertained now, whether or not that's ironically, I, I don't, I don't know, but either way I'm entertained, which is. Not what I can say for every Doctor Who story. I can't say that for every Doctor Who story. There sure. are Doctor Who stories where I am bored, out of my mind, and barely getting through it. And this was not one of those stories. So I have to give credit where credit's due. Sure, sure. Uh, and, I, and I get that. And I guess it's not like – I guess it's not boring. I just – I because I, I, cause it's, it's not, but it's one of those things where – so much of this, especially the second episode, the first episode is not as egregious, but I do think the episode is mu- the first episode is much more boring. There's just a lot of choices in here that are just like really sloppy and really poorly well done. Um, and and you know what? I almost wonder uh, if that's not I I would I honestly I think I would blame Eric Sayward for that because he is the script editor. He should have edited this and made it better. But he probably chose not to when after John Nathan Turner was like, yeah, no, just deal with it. We're going to ma- we're going to make it anyway. And Eric Sayward, you know, what we know about Eric Sayward as a person probably threw up his hands. and was just like, ah, eh, screw it. I hate this doctor anyway. Let's just make a lousy episode. I don't even care. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, he, he uh, Pennant Roberts actually came to him and was like, hey, can we rewrite this? Because I don't like this. And Pennant Roberts was actually very insulted that John Nathan Turner handed him this script to direct. Um, so Eric Sayward did have to do rewrites on this. And I know that Eric Sayward did do some work on it. Like there's a scene with the doctor and Herbert right as the doctor is about to leave um, and stop the missile. That is a rewrite of that say word in, incorporated. Like if it ever feels like the script is running in circles, like that is, that is a rewrite that say did. Cause say had no idea like what else to do. Um, so I know that say did rewrite, but I don't, I just, I don't, I don't think it's like, I don't know what he accomplished then. <laughs> no, I Cause, agree. Cause I think the pro like the problem for this w- with this story for me is that there's just too many things. Cause all right, let's, let's list off all the things that's going on in this episode. Okay. You've okay. got, You've got uh you've got a a a a planet of of uh of like what like Greek like they're supposed to be like Greek people. I mean that's what <laughs> that's the vibe that I got from them. It's like they're like they're like uh you know ancient Greece in the 80s is what it feels like. <laughs> um but they they act like uh ancient Greeks to me. Um yeah. I don't know. So you've got like this this planet of, of people who act like ancient Greek royalty. Uh, and then you, you've got this time lash thing where they throw people in. That's how they execute them as they throw them into this time vortex thing, which, uh, either I guess they die or they end up in HG Wells's house. Um, and then, <laughs> and then, and then there's, and then there's the, uh, the, 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 the puppet people, uh, that are, are, wanting to blow up the planet because they're at war with them. And then there's the civil unrest going on underground. Um, and, uh, and the Mongol, the, the Mongoids, what are they? I don't, the Borat or you think of the Borat or the Morlocks, right? Morlocks. Thank you. The Morlocks. And then, uh, and, and, and then like the, uh, the, the, uh, the guy is like, it, I, and then, and then, yeah, the Borat and, and, uh, what else? And then H.G. Wells, of course. Yes. Um, yes. Or, or Herbert. Uh, <laughs> so, I mean, that's just – there's a lot of stuff. Go- oh, yeah, and the Loch Ness Monster. Uh, so there's a, <laughs> there's a lot 
there's just there's just a lot going on here, and I feel like if Eric Sayward actually cared at all, he would have he would have actually went in and cut some of that out, um, yeah. some of the unnecessary stuff out. Because here's the thing, I am absolutely interested in uh, in in H.G. Wells. Uh, uh, accidentally ending up with the doctor and going on an adventure that inspires his books later. Yes, that absolutely. is a great idea. Absolutely. Absolutely a great idea. The problem is that that should have, that should have been what they should have done is they should have thought of that and then built the story around that. But instead they they built the story and were like, oh, wouldn't it be cool if H.G. Wells was in this? Oh, wouldn't it be cool if he also was getting inspiration for his stories while he was there? And then they just sort of shoehorned all of that together. And that's what I think makes the story a mess. If they yeah. would have just picked one or the other, if they would have just picked the, 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 the future Greeks with the – with the civil unrest or the, or the other, the, 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 the puppet aliens coming to blow up the planet, that would have been uh, fine, but it would have been a very generic, very, very boring episode. Um, mm-hmm. And then if you would have just done the HG Wells, I think that would have been a better episode, but uh, doing it all together, uh, it's kind of a mess. But I think that if he would have cared enough and if he would have been a, a good enough script editor, he probably would have, uh, kind of did a page one rewrite, honestly. Sure. Um, but sure. he didn't do that. He didn't do that. Instead, he just was like, uh, this doesn't make sense. So we'll, I'll just rewrite these characters to talk about the thing that makes no sense and why either, like, it seems like Eric Sayward's favorite thing is for, uh, to have a character point out to the doctor that nothing, something doesn't make sense. And then the doctor is just like, ha, ha, doesn't make sense. Okay. <laughs> and then not explain why it does make sense. <laughs> That's yeah. like Eric Sayward's favorite thing. Yeah, uh, it, it happens a lot. It happens a lot. And I think that I, I think that you're right. I think the, the well, the H.G. Wells problem is a is a it, it, it's a mess. But I I completely agree. I think that this like if they had done that, like if they had like. I mean, just compare it to, like, the Shakespeare Code, because that's the one that I keep coming back to in terms of – because as, as far as I'm concerned, that is the quintessential doctor meets famous person from time story. Um, uh-huh. it, it's just like the doctor meets Shakespeare. He does it in the first five minutes, and then you basically have 40 minutes of Shakespeare jokes and some witches. Like, that's <laughs> that's that's basically that whole story. And the thing about this is, like, they don't get that the cool joke – is that it's H.G. Wells. They, 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 for some reason, and I don't know why they didn't, why they thought this, because this is just stupid. They're like, no, we'll have it be a cool reveal at the end. Whereas, like, the whole time you're watching this story, you're just like, who the hell is this Herbert guy? Like, why is he here? <laughs> why does it matter? And, like, they did do work to try and make it, like, inspire his stories. The Morlocks, the Cave of the Morlocks is an inspiration, like, H.G. Wells did call in the time machine the one of the inhabitant tribes of the future the Morlocks or the Morlo- Morlags or something. Um, yeah, and, and like, then it, and it, then the and then there's the uh, uh, the fact that the Borad uh, he's experimenting on 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 animals or whatever, and that's what gives him his disfigured look. Which I I have to admit I actually really like the makeup job on the Borad. I think it's really good. Yeah, I agree. It's 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 hard to see the seam, um, which I love. Um, yeah, but but that was inspired. That that goes on because he's watching that scene from above and like the I don't know wherever he is, a ventilation shaft or something. I don't know. It what doesn't he, make a lot is. of sense. It doesn't make a lot of sense. Yeah, I don't know where he is. Um, but but uh, he's watching that scene, and I think that that was meant to inspire the island of Doctor Moreau. Yes. Yeah. So, so, I mean, it's there, but that, like, like I was saying earlier, like, all of those things are there, but it feels like, uh, they just, uh, the writer was just like, oh, well, you know, we've got H.G. Wells, and we've already got this story. I'm not going to rewrite the story, but instead, I'll shoehorn in, uh, inspiration for his stories. Yeah. Uh, and it doesn't work. Instead, he should have been building the story from the idea of wanting to inspire H.G. Wells. Um, and so it's a little, it's, it's a lot of messy. Yes. Yes. (laughs) 
Yes. It's a lot and of like, Because, like, I'm all, like, again, I'm all for it. But, like, tell me it's H.G. Wells. Like, just, it's not, it's, it's, you know what's really surprising? Seeing H.G. Wells, not waiting an hour and then saying, oh, by the way, guys, this was H.G. Wells the whole time. And then he takes a <laughs> bow. Like, that's not, <laughs> that's just not as interesting to me. Um, and it's. I, <laughs> I love, too, the reveal is that <laughs> the doctor finds finds a business card that literally only says in the middle it's an all white business card and in the middle of the business card it only says Herbert George Wells <laughs> that's 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 the business card that H.G. Wells carries around it's a white card with black letters that just says Herbert George Wells and that's yes. it <laughs> no contact info nothing <laughs> Not even like Herbert George Wells, writer. <laughs> yeah, not, not even, even a title. That. Nothing. <laughs> yeah, so uh, funny. Agreed. Um, uh, no, and I think you're right. I think that a lot of the things that I like about this, I do like ironically, but I don't. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Like, I mean, yes, I, I would love to, to unironically like the story, like I do other classic Who stories, but I would rather ironically like it then 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 just be yeah. bored out of my mind um and uh, yeah and i'm just i'm just not i'm not bored out of my mind watching this i i actually had uh uh dare i say it <laughs> kind of a good time fair enough honestly. well that's the thing is like if you i mean if you come at it really ironically this story is delightful but if you come at it from like the perspective of wanting good doctor who i think you'll be really disappointed like really disappointed and like i mean it's it's like uh-huh. it's like malin tecker alone like uh, paul darrow is so it's so hammy in this and he's clearly overacting because he's you know been on Blake 7 and he's a better actor than the than the people that they cast in this but everyone else is so wooden like so impo- oh, like like oh yeah giving line readings and it's not well written to begin with but they are doing nothing to elevate it at all <laughs> like at all yeah. um and it's it's yeah. it's a problem um so if I had to point out another problem, <laughs> just to be really negative about it, um, uh, why is it that no one on Doctor Who understands rope safety? I mean, I know that's a callback to our first episode, <laughs> but for some reason, the Doctor's just like, eh, I'm going to tie this rope about myself and just go into a time vortex. Uh, I don't I don't know if I buy that, man. I don't know if I buy that. <laughs> <laughs> also, the time vortex looks like the Phantom <laughs> Zone, uh, and it's it looks like it, it looks like uh, like like uh, one of those uh, 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 what are those the the mountain oh, climbing yeah, yeah, walls? Yeah. You know, yeah, it looks like one of those mountain climbing walls in a uh, in in the Phantom Zone. Like it looks like a Kryptonian mm-hmm. wall climbing wall, like. <laughs> Mountain climbing wall, like I, that I, I don't, I don't know what. Yeah, that was it's, about. it's really, it's really confusing. <laughs> also, tinsel, <laughs> so tinsel. much tinsel, so much tinsel, so I much felt like tinsel. It was Christmas for reals. Um, but like, <laughs> I think I. Well, you know what? This came out in March, which means they probably, uh, they probably shot it in like <laughs> January. Uh, Christmas, dis- Christmas uh, decorations were probably on discount. <laughs> That would not that would not surprise me at all. That would not surprise me at all. But yeah, so <laughs> this part and it inf- this infuriated me the first time I watched this. I was like, "Are you kidding me right now?" Is they tie a rope around the doctor. The doctor climbs into the time lash and they're like, "Oh, the suction is so difficult." And Herbert's like, "Doctor, are you okay?" And the doctor kind of slips and they have to they have to pull him out of the time lash. Um and and Herbert's like, "Let me let me get you." H.G. Wells climbs into the time lash. Climbs in climbs down the rock wall <laughs> and helps the doctor up like helps the doctor up and then another person climbs in after him and it's like <laughs> and i remember I, will, I remember watching this and i'm just like this is the moment the story lost me like this is actually honestly the moment the story lost me because um, <laughs> it just doesn't make any sense it literally does not make a lick of sense what's going on it's just oh it's it, it, it's completely insane it's completely insane, mm-hmm. and it, and it violates its yeah. own rules, which is yeah. dumb, like so dumb. Yeah. So so we got we got uh, the Morlocks in the uh, in the underground area. We've got the uh, we've got the 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 
Nessie faced guy that that inspires uh island of dr moreau and then we've got which i actually think is a really clever idea uh the 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 uh, crystal with the 10 second delay uh that inspires the invisible man um I actually think that's clever. I, I don't I know. Agree. I like that. Um, I think that it's. I think that it's well done. I think that there's. Um, I just think again, it's one story. It's one thing too much in this story, and it does like it is kind of like just a clever thing for them to do to kind of kill time. I, I, I don't. I don't have a problem with it, honestly. I, I really don't. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> I think that the doctor brutally handles the uh, murder of Borad, but other than that, I think it's okay. <laughs> yeah. Was there any references to hmm? War of the Worlds in this? Was there any references to so. War of the Worlds in this? Not that I know of. It was like... Okay. Yeah, yeah. that's... Yeah, because that's yeah. his only well, other maybe story. maybe the Bandrels have three legs, but we don't know because they're tri- then we don't see them from the from the ground up. Like, we don't know. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, 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 I... If I had to pick a thing that I also dislike, nah, just to, just to air my grievances. Um... The the whole end game is awful. There is no tension or urgency to anything in the last fifteen minutes. It's it's just it's just like yeah, let's let's go for a little bit and then uh, we'll be done. And there's no explanation given for what the doctor does to uh, to fix the thing, which was actually in the script. And then Eric Sayward deleted it. Like it was like the TARDIS deflected it with a trip travel thing and then the the missile deflected and exploded and the doctor managed to get out because he was already traveling through time like that was apparently the explanation but but he but he like but but sayward literally deletes that explanation for no reason for no reason and uh we have herbert arguing with the doctor on the on the tardis and saying this is men's work which is fine i don't really have a problem with old people saying that no i don't have a problem with people from the 19th century saying that because they were misguided um and then and then you have like you deflect the missile it's over let's go home all of a sudden you have the borad show up for a a hostage situation for five minutes which is like just let's go home (laughs) Just let's go home, you guys. You don't need to throw another thing on top of the pile. It's yeah. done. You killed him. It's over. Um. Yeah. How many times was uh, How many times was Perry held by the uh, neck? Way in too this? many for my comfort. <laughs> uh, it was like it was it was like every ten minutes. Like I don't even think that's an exaggeration. Yeah, I think it was about right. every ten minutes. Sounds about right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, I don't know. It's just. Yeah. Lo- lo- yeah oh, a lot of holding oh, here so by much, the neck. So much choking. So much kinky <clears throat> choking. And there is like, there is even an aspect to this where it's like, she is literally just going to be turned into like a human farm. Like where she's just going to start giving birth to Borads, like all Borad juniors all over the place, which is not good. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and then there's the, uh, uh, the, uh, uh, oh, the, the 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 robot leader guy that I actually I actually wasn't Which one, the expecting blue guy? that. <laughs> no, when the blue guy pulls away the 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 elderly oh. bearded guy like from the video monitor and he's a robotic puppet. Yeah, and the like, makeup oh, on that was that. really good too. Like the the wires coming out of the back of the head. Yeah. Like, wow, how they do that? Did they just hollow out a dude? That looks pretty good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I like that. I was like, wow, yeah. good on them. I I thought that was a clever. See, there's there's good stuff in here. I think I think I, I think this uh, story could have been saved. I really do. But if it had been saved, it wouldn't be called Time Lash because the Time Lash would have nothing yeah, to do with it'd be the story. The Island of Doctor Barat or something. That would have been the first thing to go. That I, yeah, that would have been yeah. the first thing to go. You just don't need it, and you don't yeah. need. I don't need to see the doctor. I don't need to see Herbert climbing into a time lash and saving the doctor who's on a rope. I don't need to see that. Um, yeah, not not my favorite story. Not my not my favorite story. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Um, I uh, yeah, <laughs> I don't know. It's fine. <laughs> It's uh, it's 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 not uh, it's it's somewhere at the you know at the bottom sure. of the middle for me. I can I can see that. So. Yeah, yeah. 
I think I'm going to see. I think I have a lot more stories to go that are going to be worse than this one. Uh, in fact, I, I well, I, you I don't know like I don't, this, but I mean, I can't think. Like, the thing is, it's the same thing where it's like, I can't. I, I'm waiting. I'm just waiting for the day that uh, we watch an episode that you really love that That I happened. Like. It was called The Gunfighters. That happened. Oh, right. Yeah. See? No, Gunfighters. Way no. worse than this for me. No. I hate no. the gunfighters. It's awful. No. Yep. No. Yep. No. I'm telling you. Yes, gunfighters no. is below this for me. No. No. Yep. Well, let's yep. talk about something we do agree on. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, before we do, I want to remind you that today's episode is brought to you by DCBService.com. DCBS is the site that lets you order all your monthly comic book statues, action figures, anything that you could get from a local comic book shop. You can pre-order from DCBService.com. Uh, and when you pre-order, uh, you can save up to 75% off on some monthly discount specials, regular discounts of 40% off, ship as often as you like with orders as large or small as you like, and you only pay six ninety five for flat rate shipping. So thanks to DCBService.com. All right, so our, our Series 5 uh, revisitation this week is uh, Vincent yes. and the Doctor. Which is, uh, yeah, last week we talked about how uh, we have, there's like no connection between these two episodes. Oh, it turns out uh, Matt's kind of a genius <laughs> accidentally. I, I am a genius. Turns out we talked about a famous person in Time Lash and we talked about a famous person in uh, Vincent and the Doctor. The eponymous Vincent Van Gogh. Yeah. Van Gogh, I suppose. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Goff. 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 <laughs> Everybody pronounces it differently in that story. <laughs> I pronounced Van Gogh. Van Gogh? <laughs> uh, that's the Canadian pronunciation. Um, oh, yes. Yeah. A. Uh, it's not. Uh, <laughs> Vincent and the Doctor uh, is uh, it's an episode that a lot of people it, it's a mixed bag like uh, people either passionately love this episode uh, and think it's the best like one of the best of the season as I think both of uh, both of us do um, and then other people uh, really don't like it at all and think that it's ham fisted and uh, uh, overly emotional Um uh, but you know, I uh, I disagree. I think that this is a great episode, and uh, it always makes me weep like a child. Oh God, does it make me weep like a child? <laughs> oh, it's God. so good. It's so good. Uh, oh 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 God! I well, it's funny because I always. <laughs> oh I, my I, God! I... I just realized another connection. Invisible things. Oh wow! How about that? Invisible things. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's that's what we got. That's what we got. Um, <laughs> wow. Hey, no. look at that. <laughs> I'm a genius, you guys. I, I plan this really well. Really, really well. Uh. <laughs> Remember that time there was a giant stone statue in the lodger? That's next week, guys. That's next week. Um, <laughs> so, but no, this is a story. Like, I, I, I loved this the first time, and every subsequent time since then, I love it more. I think that this this is the best of the season. I and maybe Pandora Obens will change my mind because I think I I think I actively enjoy like Pandora more than this. We'll see how that goes. But this is so beautiful. Like this yeah. is so incredibly incredibly well done. Yeah. No, I think you know I would call this. Uh, I would call this the uh, the Doctor's Wife of Series Five. Honestly. Oh God, God, yeah, God, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, it's, it's 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 exciting. It's the Doctor teamed up with 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 someone cool, and it's uh it's weepy at the end. So yeah. Oh God, so so, so weepy. But we'll get there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I I think that the other thing about this is that it's very experimental in its structure. Um, R- Richard Curtis was actually not. I mean, who wrote this episode? Famous for um, writing and directing Love Actually and writing Notting Hill and um, doing Black Adder. I think was him. He did Black Adder, right? That sounds right. Uh, I think um, so. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and Four Weddings and a Funeral. He wrote Four Weddings and a Funeral. Mm-hmm. Richard Curtis was not a Doctor Who fan before writing this story, and apparently, when Moffat approached him to do the story, he was like, "I'm going to do it about Vincent Van Gogh," and Moffat was like, "I don't know," and then. 
uh, Richard Curtis was like, no, 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 it'll work. And I think that that helps. Um, uh, in the middle, I'm, right now what I'm blogging is uh, the Web Planet. This is going somewhere, I promise. And the thing about the Web Planet is the Web Planet is so weird. It's such a weird experimental story. And it's one of the stories that you kind of don't see Doctor Who doing once Doctor Who figures out its own formulas and its 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 formats. Um, Vincent and the Doctor does not hold to a format. Once the Once the giant chicken is killed the giant like the story isn't over there's actually that's not the point of the story um the giant chicken is incidental to the actual plot um and i love that about it and, and it really just points out like why you need like you don't need to keep hiring doctor who writers to write doctor who because those guys know what they think a doctor who story is uh, you should really bring in new people bring in new people who don't understand the show or not don't understand it but have a different view on it who mm-hmm. come at it from a different angle than what you'd normally expect it to be because what richard curtis brings to this structurally is so magnificent mm-hmm. um and that's what i end up taking away from this more than anything um from an intellectual level from an emotional level i take something else away from it which is my heart on the ground um (laughs) (laughs) yeah no i i i really want richard curtis to write another one honestly yes um and i think that i actually think him working on doctor who inspired him uh to to make his next film uh Mm -hmm. because his next film is about time travel um yes it's called about time isn't it (laughs) like Yeah, yeah. God, I can't wait. I feel like it's called About Time. Yeah. Cannot wait. Uh, I think it opens on my birthday. Um, (laughs) Happy birthday. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Uh, Yeah, so, no, I I love Richard Curtis. He's also, I guess he also uh, co-created Mr. Bean uh, with Rowan Atkinson, so. uh, Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, he's been around, this guy. He's been around. (laughs) Um, No, I I really like Richard Curtis. I want him to come back to the show, uh, maybe with the next Doctor. Yeah. because that's probably soon. Uh, but uh, I just, yeah, no, I, I, I love this. And I, I love the thing that's I, I find the most uh, interesting uh, part of this is that the people that really love this episode tend to be creative types. Beca- oh, yeah. Because it's, it's uh, totally a commentary on like, you know, even if you're not appreciated now, like your hard work and your art is going to be appreciated in the future. It's like that story. It's and it and that I think that's what hits us the most um, because I do find that the people who don't like it or are indifferent to it are are people who are non-creative types. Um, yeah, because they just don't get it. Like it just they're just like, oh, they appreciate his paintings. Big whoop. Like they just don't care. Like. It doesn't that like the idea of someone appreciating something you paint or not appreciating it just doesn't matter to those people. Like it just they they just don't care. They have no frame of reference for that. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and so so I I you know I think we both like it because obviously we're we're we are creative types. Well, maybe not so obviously if you have if you don't listen to the mind rappers, but we are. Um, and so so I you know I. Uh, I, I love this because I, I think it it just says a lot about that and it, it and it hit it strikes a chord that I don't think I've ever seen struck before in yeah. anything. Yeah. And I think that like and I think that it's 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 worth noting that there are a lot of stories about artists out there. Um mm-hmm. always like it's it I mean, because art what do artists know? Artists know what it's like to be an artist, but being an artist is very um it's very esoteric. It's something that only speaks to people who are artists. Um, and it's very much like, I mean, to use a terrible phrase, it's first world problems. You're dealing with, um, uh, oh, I don't have inspiration today, which is, you know, other people don't have food. Um, so it's, it's, hard to, it's hard to convey. But the thing about it is like, Van Gogh as a character is such a wonderful exploration of that, and Richard Curtis is such a such a gifted writer that he digs into what it means to find that validation. Mm-hmm. And and the thing that really strikes me about it is is not just the bit where they go to the museum and Bill Nye gives the most beautiful speech I've ever heard, and I'm sitting on the couch just crying uncontrollably and trying to stop and not being able to. The thing that strikes me is like for all the good it 
did to him on that day it didn't help him um in the long run he still committed su- he still commits suicide at the end of this episode um but that doesn't mean that like and it, and it does speak a lot to like depression because uh, like according to this among other things van gogh is clinically depressed um manic depressive manic manic depressive um and i you know i i suffer with i suffer from depression myself sometimes and it's it kind of it kind of hit home just because it was like because i've been in that situation and i remember watching this for the first time and just being like oh my god i get it and i was sitting there next to um someone who was actually going to become start becoming my roommate and i was just like and i just turned to her and i go that was so good that was so beautiful she's like yeah it was pretty good and i was like you don't understand you're not an artist she's like no i i got it I just didn't think it was that poignant. And it's like, no, this is the most poignant observational discussion of that I've ever seen. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. And it's because because it, it just hits me. And it's not even like like the first time I watched this, it took it took me him walking into the into the exhibit to start crying. That was the first time in this. The second they land and they step out of the TARDIS, I'm just a mess. Yeah. Like, I'm just a complete mess. It didn't help that I was talking about the Buffy and Angel finales with a friend while I was watching this. Because um, <laughs> we were talking about, like, the emotional turmoil of those. Um, but it did, like, the second they step out of the TARDIS, I was just, I, I was just, I was just crying uncontrollably. And I did not stop until the episode ended. Like, <laughs> just, just couldn't, I couldn't stop. Um it's oh it's so beautiful like it's so it's so beautiful and it's the music the music is such a perfect choice by athlete um uh, who i'm not really that familiar with and, and bill nye's inspired casting and and tony curran like in that scene like because he's not openly weeping he's just so moved by what he's seeing mm-hmm. um tony curran is so good in this oh he's real oh he's amazing like he's amazing and the whole story is basically just Matt Smith, Karen Gillen and Tony Curran and Tony Curran is like Tony Curran holds his own. Tony Curran um, gets the emotional gravitas of the sequence, the bit where he just white walls an entire painting and the doctor and Amy are just like, no. And he just goes, what? Like, it's so, <laughs> it's so delightfully human. Like he just, he digs into it so well. Um, I just I love him and I forgot how good he was in this. Like I forgot how good he was. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. It's, oh, it's beautiful. And I, I will it's say beautiful. I love Bill Nye in this. My 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 biggest issue with Bill Nye being in this is that he can't be in Doctor Who now. <laughs> <laughs> I, like I, honestly, that's my only issue. Like I love him in this, but the but I know that I would have loved him even more in a larger role in some in another episode. But uh, you know. What are you yeah. going to do? It's like it's like <laughs> Simon Pegg being in the long game. Exactly. Like, exactly. But almost worse. And this is not a slight to Simon Pegg. It's more of like lifting up Bill Nye. But, you know, it, it, you just I, – I mean, it, Bill Nye hurts more. Like Bill Nye hurts more. Because yeah. he crushes it so hard and you want he's – so, he's so good at it. Like he's so good at Doctor Who. Um, he's so British and so wonderful in his mm-hmm. – like he's so funny and so clever. He's so, so good as like an art director guy. Like he's just with like his bow tie and like he like he speaks very pretentiously, but then he he also gets the heart also. Like where you can yeah. tell this guy has been in this like it's so amazing how much you can you can you can get out of Bill Nye's character of Dr. Black. Um mm-hmm. From just the two scenes that he's in, like the, in those two scenes, you can understand that this is a guy that loves art, but has been in in this uh, this 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 place for so long that he has uh, uh, like become sort of like this pretentious art museum curator guy. But then when somebody just asks him, "Why do you love this?" he takes all those pretenses down and just pours his heart out. And it's, oh, it's oh, yeah. awesome. It's so good. Oh, it's amazing. It's amazing. Cause like, cause it's also like, it's also like the fulfillment for him. Like it's, it's him having his existence validated. Like you do yes. this so much. What, what, why do you care? And he just, and he just goes, Oh, that's why. And once, and the thing about it, that's so beautiful. Is, and I'm, I might start crying. I'm sorry. But the thing about it, that's so beautiful is that, once he starts talking, he cannot stop. Like, yeah. 
he just it just it just comes out in waves which is incredible and just i mean it speaks to like the passion that people have about the things they care about um and that's it, it, it's beautiful like it's so amazing and and it is like because so much of that scene plays off of tony curran that sometimes you forget that that bill nye is doing that but it's like that's the power of the performance is he gets that richard curtis is digging into that character and saying that this isn't just him reciting the memorized lines about he committed suicide at 37 he cut off his ear his starry night is most famous this is the one that sold the most um it, it, it's so personal and that's the thing about this is it is so personal and it speaks mm-hmm. i mean it just it just digs down and i don't like i get people who don't understand the ending but i or, or don't appreciate it like you know creative types would but i just i don't understand how you can watch this episode and not be moved in some way um if not from the van gogh perspective but then from then from an amy perspective like amy is suffering in this episode and karen gillen does a does a remarkable job of um playing it completely beneath the surface so that only van gogh deals with or can see it and helps her deal with it and she has no way of dealing with it and watching her compatriotism with him is so remarkable like it's just amy makes a new best friend and amy needs a new best friend and it's oh it's so it's so amazing it's so amazing you know Um, it's a good uh doctor who story when the scene or, or or at least the sequence or whatever where you start you just break down is uh, basically between two characters that are neither the doctor nor a companion. <laughs> like that's an incredible feat. Yes. Uh, and it's, uh, I just, Oh God, I want Richard Curtis to write another episode so bad. Yeah, he should, he should. Um, and I was honestly, I remember being sad when he was announced as one of the writers for season six and I'm still sad. He's not coming back and doing more. I mean, God knows he's busy, but yeah. oh, oh, it'd be so, it's just so, it's so interesting. It's such a, it's such a different, it's such a different perspective to, to see. I love seeing non-fans write Doctor Who stories because you don't, I mean, they just always come up with something interesting. Yeah. They always do. And, um. And that's the thing. Like Barbara Clegg is a great example. Like Enlightenment was written by someone who wanted to write for Doctor Who because her kids like Doctor Who. She was not actually a Doctor Who fan, and she turns out Enlightenment. Like that is that is the stuff. Yeah, like, that is the stuff that you want. Um, uh, I also I have to mention this just because, and I know that you're going to agree with me on this, but the other unsung person on this is um the, the director Johnny, uh, what's his name? Oh, Campbell. Johnny Johnny. Johnny Campbell, who immediately visually sets up a beautiful palette for the story, but in everything, in the performances, in the in the like the choices that he makes in terms of camera angles, the way he shoots it is so good, like so good. Um, and I love, I I I want him to come back. Like I want him to come back as well. Um, oh yeah. I don't think he's done anything else. Um, I don't think so either, which is crazy. I mean that that shot of the Starry Night alone should have gotten him another gig. My tears were flying. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you know what he did? He did. Um, he actually did direct Vampires in Venice. But like this is, I mean, this is clearly the 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 better piece. I mean, yeah. Which is actually, because, that makes like, sense though. These the, the these yeah. two stories do look similarly. Mm-hmm. And and they were both shot or partially shot in Croatia, which 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 would help. Um, but, but I mean, it's just I mean, we loved Vampires in Venice when we watched it. But like, it's it's clear, like it's one of those things where it's like you hand a good director a good script and they turn in something magical. Um, Pennant Roberts can only do with what he can what he can with Glenn McCoy's script, but he still is not inspired. You can tell that. Like Johnny Johnny Campbell just digs into this script and does not let go, um, and he just gets it. Like just the shot of them walking down the path, like just that sh- that scene, and then they pass by the funeral and the pallbearers and the coffin with the sunflowers. Like is visually arresting. Like it's one of the it's one of the things I remember from this episode. And when shots and images fly out at you from a story that is remembered because of the emotional catharsis that has nothing to do with that image like it it says how much he just gets it and how 
talented he is as a director and i just i want to see him come back i really do um oh yeah he's so he's so good just the shot of the weed at the beginning which he actually had to shoot like three months in advance because um they shot this in like november december and he uh (laughs) and there wouldn't be no wheat fields in november december so he went out and got a got a shot of some wheat in august like (laughs) they had a similar problem with uh with uh let's kill hitler (laughs) <laughs> that's funny don't put plants don't put plants in farmland in doctor who episode guys it never ends up well yeah yeah apparently <laughs> uh yeah no love this love this could watch it every day i i absolutely could as well i yeah. absolutely could as well it's it's uh, great and oh oh the best like one of the most the things i forgot about most is like you have that scene where the doctor meets vincent during one of his manic depressive episodes and, and like and like vincent kicks him out and the doctor's like what are we gonna do and then you just see that power shot of him walking in with like that coat and he picks up a like a paintbrush and it's like yeah like let's go right now like oh like that turns it turns Vincent Van Gogh into like a massive hero, which is just amazing. Um, oh yeah, uh, this is the good stuff. This is this is really the good stuff. Um, uh, and it makes me love Doctor Who. Like it makes me more than I think anything else this season, and a lot in this season has made me love Doctor Who. This more than anything reminds me of why I watch it, why yep. I love it, because it can do anything. And this is the kind beautiful. of thing that we want from. The the Moffat era. This is the kind of stories. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Just Ugh. and because it, it doesn't, it doesn't like. Yes, the chick, the giant chicken is big on special effects, but it doesn't rely on the special effects. It just relies on telling a good story and doing something emo- like that's based in reality and talking about a theme and 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 stuff like that. Like, and it, and it's something that could only have happened in the Moffat era. Like, this is a Moffat era story. Um. Uh, God, it's so good. It's so good. I have nothing else to say except gushing. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, that's uh, that's 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 it. That's it. That's it. We're done. Uh, next week we're going to talk about the Keeper of Trocken, which is uh, the Fourth Doctor's penultimate episode uh, or penultimate story, and uh, the Lodger, which is uh, Series Five's penultimate story. So there you go. Oh. Linking, 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 right there. That that was my that was my connection. That was my connection. <laughs> uh, yeah. So uh, we, we've got penultimate stories uh, next week. Um, and uh, in the meantime, though, you can follow me on Twitter. I'm twitter.com/slash Scott Corelli. Also, twitter.com/slash Scott Commentary. Where if I were to live tweet anything, that's where it would be. Uh, also make sure that you check out the mind robbers. We're going to be announcing uh, a project that we've been working on, um, in the next uh, couple of months, but, uh, also stay tuned for our end of the year special where we, uh, talk about our top 10 films of 2012 and that should be coming out around the new year. So, uh, definitely look for that, uh, at the mind robbers. You can find that on iTunes, also on mindrobber.net. Matt, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter, twitter.com slash Gungadin. Also my alternate Twitter account, twitter.com slash gdcommentary, where I live tweet some things and sometimes talk about uh, ads and stuff that's on Hulu. I don't know. <laughs> Just didn't feel like spamming. That was weird. That, that was weird. <laughs> I was like, why is this on your, on your live tweet thing? Well, I thought it would turn into something and it didn't. So, uh, oh, okay. uh that's why. That's why. Um, I don't plan to start live tweeting things. It just happens. Um, <laughs> Uh, but yeah, you can find me on those two. Also, my blog, classicgalfrey.blogspot.com, where uh, I, I, I talk about Classic Who. The two doctors went live. Web Planet should be live by now. Hopefully, the brain of Morbius is not too far behind it. And then I'm almost done. I'm almost, almost done, which is really exciting. Also, I'm in a book. Uh, which is called Outside In, directed by Robert, or not directed, edited by Robert Smith. I'm in it. I wrote an episode, an essay on um, uh, the King's Demons, which is a Fifth Doctor master story. So uh, check that out if you like Classic Who. Uh, it's 160 different writers giving 160 different opinions on 160 different stories from the classic run up the, up to and including the uh, the TV movie. So check it out. Buy it. Christmas gifts for everyone. Uh, you'll love it. Hooray! I would. Hooray. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, go do that, and then uh, we'll, we'll see you next week with Keeper of Trocken and the Lodger. Bye, everybody. Bye.